Well, thank you. It's hard to imagine another year has come and gone. Uh, I, you know, me, I lose track of time. I wake up and it's tomorrow. I don't, you know. But anyhow, um, Christmas Eve service is at 6 o'clock on Thursday, Christmas Eve. And uh, no Saturday. No Saturday for the ladies. And of course, two weeks. Okay. Yeah. And there's no hangover from New Year's Eve. That's a joke. I mean, we don't drink, so I mean, you know, <laughs> just thought I'd tell you that. You don't have one, right? You can't have one if you don't drink, see? Uh, but anyhow, you got to follow my logic. So anyhow, Sunday mornings, 9.45 is our adult class, or Sunday school, and 10.45 is our morning worship. And then we'll begin our Wednesday night services again first of the year in January and on Wednesday nights, and uh, we'll be doing the book of Ephesians. So what else? Any other announcements? Just have a wonderful merry, merry Christmas and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, we're grateful. You know, you can't make people be grateful. You have to find it. You know, the more you try to make people be thankful, you know, be thankful for that or I'm going to beat it into you. (laughs) Okay, it's like, you know, the attitude, wait, the beatings will continue until the attitude changes. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, until morale improves, you know? You know, <laughs> it's, you know, we, we use these um, well, counterproductive, we use these manipulative statements or manipulative things trying to justify getting people, moving people to a certain place and it doesn't matter how we get them there, we just need to get them there. Well, and our, our, our understanding of Christmas and our understanding of the gifts of Jesus Christ to us, it's not a manipulation. It is a leading of the Spirit, it is a leading of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the child born in Bethlehem who lived and became the adult at 30 years of age with his ministry starting and died at 33 on the cross, rose from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father. But we celebrate the coming of Christ. And today's message is Jesus, Jehovah is salvation. And God is my Savior. He is my salvation. Now, we are less than a week away from Christmas Well, we are um, about, what is it, uh, four days, 12 hours, and 46 minutes from Christmas, in case anybody's worried. (laughs) But who's counting? Yeah, if you're keeping track, you know, I just thought I'd put that on your calendar. You can look at it. But um, so what is going on in your mind when we think of Christmas? Um, (laughs) I'm thinking of Christmas Eve service. You know, I always like Christmas Eve. We have... uh, the candlelight ending and our singing and just a nice time together. Of course, when you come, wear your masks. <laughs> we want to be COVID compliant. And uh, so coming in and out, just, and if we can stay six feet apart, I generally, I'm, Rhonda asked me where my mask was. I said, it's in my pocket. If I need it, I'll get it. <laughs> but, you know, if you can't stay six feet apart, then stay, put the mask on and whatever. And it's, you know, again, it's protecting others and it's protecting ourselves. And, and, it, and the people that I mentioned that had passed away, one of them was with this COVID. So um, we, we are grateful for the opportunity we have to be together. But we have to be, again, aware of our 
circumstances aware of where we are at in our life and in our time. So, um, whenever we think of Christmas, um, what do we think of? What I do not ha- I think of what I do not have in place. <laughs> you know, what is, what, is it, what is it that I have to get yet? You know, none of you have placed your orders with me. I don't understand, you know. My grandkids, you know, they send all this stuff. <laughs> and, you know, they made, their, they made their orders. Have you put your orders in? I don't see much agreement on that back row back there. I don't know. You, you forget to, to write your letters to whomever you uh, depend upon. Uh, the, ne- the needs of my grandchildren have already been expressed. <laughs> the needs... And, um, and, of course, they've been presented, and the uh, needs have been addressed and presented, presents, and mailed. They have arrived, and they are good for another year, or at least until the next need, you know, or want. I don't know which is best. So for Christmas, then, what are you doing? What do we have in place? There's no dinner. We haven't had our Thanksgiving dinner or our Christmas dinner after the play which we usually have on this Sunday before Christmas for our children. And um, we don't have candy for everybody. Oh, usually, you know, that's the first time in 40 years we haven't had a box of candy for everybody. But we do have things for anyone that's in high school and below. We have, uh, we have a, a gift for you. And, uh, and there's none for us adults who still think we're kids, so you just don't get it. I'm sorry. Um, but speaking of chocolate, um, <laughs> if I ask you what you were thinking of for Christmas, I wonder if it was a box of chocolates. Uh, okay. Well, I borrowed these couple of things from um, our son. Is a, uh, works within LASE, which is the ministry that he works with in El Salvador. And uh, they have... Um, what is it called? They have the Advent calendars, but they're little Advent sayings that they have for each day, and it, it is presented about what goes on in El Salvador or something related to El Salvador and to Christmas. And, um, and if you didn't have one, you can order it for next year. But um, it is a way that they have or they use to raise money for their work and their mission in El Salvador. But one of the... Um, Advent Days speaks of, can you imagine a world without chocolate? (laughs) I thought I would hear, oh, (laughs) I didn't know (laughs) if you would be groaning and moaning, you know, I can't imagine a world without chocolate. But so if it weren't for the Mesoamerican civilizations, this is, I'm taking this from their um, writing, If it weren't for the Mesoamerican civilizations, we would never have tasted this delicate treat. For the Aztecs, chocolate was more valuable than gold. And while the Mayans revered it as well, it was enjoyed by the rich and the poor alike. Chocolate is one of the amazing gifts the Central America has given the world. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But if I questioned you now, what would you like for Christmas? <laughs> I imagine some of us would say a box of chocolates. Okay. But we remember Christmas is, what, is Christmas is what Christ makes it. We often say that Christmas is what you make it. 
Well, in reality, it's really what Christ makes it in us, that this Christmas season is about Jesus Christ. You take out Christ and you have the Xmas, the X factor. <laughs> I don't go for X factors. But we have Christ and Christ makes our Christmas. And most often the focus is on the emptiness, <laughs> the emptiness that we don't have, the presents that are not under the tree, the presents that are not given, the people, things that are not present. The attention of Christmas, the attention of Christmas is habitually <laughs> on what is missing. And Christmas can be a pressure season. You know, not so much anymore. I mean, here we are, older. <laughs> and the, the seemingly the needs and the pressures of Christmas are not as great as they used to be. There were times in which I think we had 15, 10 or 15 uh, Christmas events to go to in the month of December. We were out or had one in our home for uh, two or three a week for the whole month of December. You know, the pressure of getting to all those places, bringing the right gifts, getting everything set up for people to come in, and it was just a, a revolving door of get ready for Christmas. Now it's trying to get out the door to find out if there is a Christmas. <laughs> so, so I want the challenge then of these ideas to, to buy a... By, uh, I want to challenge us with another idea that I came that came from one of these Advent sayings. It says, "When serving teams, and this is talking about how that teams from different churches um, in the U.S. have gone down to El Salvador to serve the communities." He says, "When serving teams from North America join in Lasse's work to in Central America, we often hear kind comments, marveling at the people they meet." They have so little, but they have so much joy. Poverty is not a simple way of life. Now, this poverty, you know, again, can't imagine it, but the poverty of the people that David works with in the rural communities. Uh, the one pastor, he basically had a pole, pole shed, you know, poles, a roof, and their house, everything they had was underneath it. Their bedroom was a hammock strung between poles. <laughs> Their kitchen was a big rock where they cut things up and slid the, the um, peelings off into the pig pen. And their, their stove was an open flame where they would hang things over. That was their cooking area, and they had one pot. And they did have a room that was probably 10 by 10, and that was where the whole family would cram into if there were a hurricane or something. And that was their home. <laughs> and they, had, they all have these plastic chairs, you know, the plastic chairs you have that you sit on, you, you know. Every house, that was a stable. <laughs> Every house had plastic chairs. They didn't have anything else. They didn't have wooden chairs or whatever. They had these plastic chairs. And another, another one I was thinking of was um, the, the, young, the young teen that was sitting under a tarp. And that teen would sit under the tarp and stay there all day while their mother went out to find something to work because uh, some work so that they could have food to, to buy food that they could eat from. But that, that person, the, the teen, stayed under the tarp because everything they owned was under the tarp. And the tarp was their home. 
These, this family had nothing to live under but this tarp. See, poverty, you know, we don't know poverty. We don't know what it's like to live in a situation like that, nor do we want, I do not want to. But, and, I, and I'm not saying, did you, you ever hear the expression, finish your meal, clean up your plate. There are kids in China, there are kids in Africa that are starving to death. And I always wondered, my mom never had to say that much to me because there was never anything left. But, <laughs> so the idea is, it's a manipulative thing. It's a, it manipulates us to eat what's on your plate and be thankful for it. Okay? So the, the goal was good, but how we got there, well, that's a, a different set of circumstances. So our challenge then for ourselves in this process of being grateful for Christmas is about what Christ has done to us. So it's not a manipulative process. I want you to be thankful for what you get at Christmas. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, it's what I was expecting. It's what I wanted. Why should I, be, why should I be thankful? But the idea is gratitude can't be forced. Gratitude has to be found. And in our lives, we have to find a grateful heart. You know, demanding and, and bargaining and <laughs> fighting for something that we think is going to fit into the whole, the emptiness of our lives doesn't take us very far. You know, I think of the, the commercials in these car commercials. If you, if you buy this car, you know, you know, Santa drives it, you know, all of, his all of his reindeers are these types of cars, and they're all in there, and the Santa's sleigh is a nice red one, you know. You know, you can get me one of those, dear. But you know, 10 years from now, it'll be old. I'll need another one. <laughs> so the idea is what you get and what these things that we've put so much emphasis on aren't really, they can, they're okay, but that isn't the reason for what we do as Christ, as Christians, and for what we are as individuals <laughs> who know Jesus Christ as our Savior. So the message, one of the messages for this, this message is that we find um, gratitude, that we are grateful for the little things, um, grateful for the beauty, of the snow until we become sick of it. But anyhow, we want to be grateful for the snow, for the beauty of what we see. I mean, the pine trees and the snow cascading off of them. Or did you see a deer in the woods or in our backyard standing there? You know, it's a picturesque. Rhonda took a picture and people said you should make a postcard of that. <laughs> you know, it's a picturesque moment. But shoveling, it's a different matter. Right, Nikki? <laughs> yeah. The snowblower got a, its workout in the last, for the last three years. I don't think we've used it. And this snowfall, it became apparent that somebody needed to run it. So Nikki moved home just for that. <laughs> so we'll make good use of her. <laughs> and I'll be grateful for it. <laughs> it was fun, yes. It's a learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can come and shovel snow with pastor. What an experience. 
for free. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll sign you up for that, you know. How grateful are you? <laughs> you see, three-quarters of the world would give anything to be where you're at. You know, we don't think that, but 80-90% of the world, 90% of the world be, would give everything they have to be where we are. To be in a society, to be in a place where we have freedom and we have things and we have people. We have the ability to move and go into grocery stores and find food. And, you know, it's, it's everyday, great, um, everyday things that we take for granted. So the challenge is to see the good, to look for the best. We are part of one another, especially as the body of Christ. We are family. We are partners, and we are part of the answer to every need that we have. We are part of the answer to every need that we have. You see, we like to transfer that to other people and say, you know, well, I need this. You know, you supply this. But we are part of the answer to that need. We are part of the answer to every prayer that we pray. You know, we just don't pray and then sit down and God says, here, let me, you know, wave your magic wand or, you know, repeat this scripture three times and you'll have it. It's not how it works. We are part, our faith has to be involved. It's an integral part of our faith and our belief and our understanding of what God is speaking to us. You know, years ago, the tradition was uh, people would get an orange or nuts in a stocking. (laughs) That was Christmas. Nothing more. I remember as a kid growing up, we had a strange family in our church, you know. Um, I asked the kid what he got for Christmas. He said, I got a belt. And I thought, a belt? Well, what else? He said, oh, that was it. (laughs) Me, I got three things. He only got one. My dad and mom were better than them. (laughs) Not really. But the idea is, you see, People weren't consumed with this idea of getting and, and that it had to be something. But, you know, the, 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 the time period in which oranges and nuts, <laughs> you see, an orange was a citrus fruit in which the, the people, to have something like that, it spoke of wealth and of hope of spring. And that to in, have an enjoyable orange on a cold day, a cold day, a morning would be an expression of hope that spring would come. You see, this was another one I heard, you know, we used to, before COVID, we used to shake hands. <laughs> Did you know that shaking hands meant that your hand was free of a weapon? <laughs> so you were extending your hand as an, as an expression of, I don't have a weapon. So in our lives, we are expressing our gratitude to God and to others by extending our hearts and extending our lives to them. But I'm not trying to get us to change Christmas to oranges and nuts. I'm sure we'd have the rebellion on our hands and all the kids of the world would say nuts to that. So if we can realize how wealthy we are, to have family, to have friends, to have the understanding that without Christ, there is no Christmas. And that if we have the central focus of Jesus Christ in our lives at Christmas time, at this time of the year, 
Christ becomes everything to us. And all these other things are just add-ons. And whenever those add-ons aren't there anymore, we still have the focus of Christ and of Christmas. You see, wealth is not the number of presents. Wealth is not the size of the tree. Or those who are around the tree with us or around the table with us, even without a tree. You know, over at Laurelview, where all the old people live. <laughs> Be careful, they might watch this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they just have a little tree stuck on, some, some of them have a little tree stuck on a stand, and that's their Christmas tree. You see, whatever it is. But you see, again, the size of the tree, the largeness of the presents, the, the number of or lack of presence, it is Jesus Christ. Christ is the emphasis of our, our Christmas. And true poverty at Christmas is a celebration that does not recognize that Jesus Christ is Jehovah, the salvation of God. <laughs> you see, without Christ, we don't have that, that set place, that anchor to what our celebration so Jesus set aside his divine nature and became this helpless child born of a virgin and uh, birthed in a stable, laid in a manger. <laughs> King of kings and Lord of lords, creator of the universe, the first place he lays his head is in a cattle feeding trough. You know, you imagine this king of kings, lord of lords, creator of the universe, wrapped in strips of rags. We, we make a nice picture of it, don't we? You know, the manger scene. I don't know if you understand what it's like to be in a barn. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the ideas is Terry, we don't have a time up. I don't want to be 45 minutes and you'll be sitting there going like this, you know. <laughs> Pastor, it's time to, you know, put a, put a lid on it. You know, let's go to a Pepsi commercial. <laughs> so, you know, got a break. We got a break for TV time. <laughs> I had a thought, but I don't know where it went. <laughs> oh, what was like in a barn? You know, whenever, whenever we have this, there was no room for them. I got, I got the whole Christmas story here. But um, uh, we'll just talk a little bit. I'll do this on Thursday night, so you have to come back for Christmas Eve. Whenever Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem, they can't get into the inn. Why? No room. If so, if you have a room, if you have an inn that's filled to capacity, how did the people get there? They rode. <laughs> they came on animals. If the inn is full, the barn is fuller. <laughs> All right? So if the inn is full, the barn is fuller. And if you have a barn that is fuller, you don't have much room. Now, 
if you have people who own the inn and they own the barn, where do you think their attention is? On the people, not the animals. Now, I know from us, whenever we grew up, you know, on the farm, if we could, if we could cut corners, you know, especially on holidays, you know, Christmas, the cows still needed milk. <laughs> Easter Sunday, the cows needed milk. You had to go to the barn before you did anything, and, and our Christmas gifts always arrived via Express Santa by, you know, um, Christmas Eve. So we always had Christmas, Christmas Eve, because no one wanted to get up and get their presents and then go to the barn. And no one wanted to go to the barn and come back in and open presents. <laughs> so we just arranged, you had a phone call, and the big guy, you know, came in and posited his gifts on Christmas Eve. They would take me for a ride, and my brothers would say, there he goes, there he goes, you know, and I would like, looking out the window, I don't see him. And then we'd get home and say, see, he was here. And he snuck in during while we were out on the ride. But if the, if the inn is full, the barn is full, if the barn is full with cattle, horses, mules, transportation animals, where on earth are you going to put a woman, a husband, and somebody who's going to birth a child? There was no room in the inn, but I guarantee you there's no room in the stable. Maybe there's a corner. Maybe there's an area over there where they have some straw stacked up. But I am sure that they were cutting corners and, and the barn and the stable was not as clean as it should be. Because they were taking care of the people and the barn was kind of, they would feed the animals and give them water and that's about it because we have stuff to do in the inn. That's how we would do it, especially on Christmas and special holidays. You would cut corners as best you could because we didn't want to be in the barn doing those extra things. The cows can wait another day to have more straw. There's enough in there from the day before. They'll, be, they'll get by. So Mary and Joseph, they would have been there, and Mary would have delivered. Now, do you ever wonder? Uh, you know, sometimes when you sit down and you think about this stuff. So the barn is stinks. <laughs> the, the, the smell is very real. The animals are very real. And what they're going through is a very difficult time because she's having a baby. Who is there to help her have her child? They don't know anyone, so Joseph is going to help Mary have a child. How many women would wait on their husbands to have them have a baby? <laughs> yeah, get him out of here. <laughs> so, so, but Joseph is the only, only one basically there. He's the only one we hear of being in that place. And so she is having a child in the corner of a stable, that smells of animals, but <laughs> these domesticated animals, I imagine, are very curious. You know, if you, even if, if you watch uh, some of these videos of these large farms, you know, they have a thousand head of cattle, and they're walking through the barns, they, the cows are following them. You know, they're just following them around. And this, this one guy... In, the, in a barn, he walks in, and this one cow just comes immediately. He only follows him, and he's a hired man. And the cow follows him all over the barn, <laughs> like, a, like a dog on a leash. And the animals perhaps would have been very 
curious. What is this? Can you imagine that, you know, Mary and Joseph, they had the smell of the animals, but the animals had the smell of someone different. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes when we were talking about how that Mary and, and the, um, when Mary heard the message of how that uh, she was going to have a child, and, and she, she wondered, you know, Mary, <laughs> you are highly favored. This, that part, if you read through the, the Christmas story in Matthew, we have Mary and she's, you know, the angel comes and says, Mary, you are highly favored. So highly favored is grace. And over, I think, three or th- at least three times in that passage, it talks about the favor of God being with Mary. And in the New Testament, we are told about the grace of God and the mercy of God given to us, which speaks of God's divine favor on us. So the same favor that is upon Mary... Now, I'm not saying you're going to have a, the, you're going to birth the Messiah, but I'm saying that God's favor is upon our lives and that God's favor is upon our lives to the extent that he will give to us his blessing and that, and, and that whenever we have this blessing of God in our life, see, when Mary, uh, the angel says to Mary about um, your cousin Elizabeth, she has, a, she's ha- she's, she has a child and she's in her sixth month. So, to prove to Mary that she was not hallucinating about this whole experience of an angel appearing to her and she was going to have a child, um, she went to Elizabeth, and when she greeted Elizabeth, the babe, John the Baptist, who he would become, leaped in, Mary's, in, in Elizabeth's womb. And you see, when, when Christ, the Spirit of God, is in us, we create life. The life in other people's lives comes to, comes to life. The life of God in them, you know, arises on the inside. And there's something good that comes from that, you see. And we know what happens when we give a gift. People are, you know, well, thank you very much. But whenever we say hello, whenever we give our greetings, there's a divine nature to who we are and to because of Christ in us. And that brings to life that which is inside of others, the, the unction of God's spirit. Just as Elizabeth's child leaped within her womb because she, Mary spoke with her, we have that same favor of God that leaps in people's lives because of Jesus Christ touching them in our words. And it is greater than a gift that we give It is the Spirit of God that we share. (laughs) Kira? Hi. Well, you don't have to answer this, but I'm going to ask a question. How old do you think Mary was? You don't have to answer this, okay? I'll tell you the answer. Some women got married at the age of 12. It is thought that Mary was between the age of 13 and 15. Imagine that. And Joseph probably was, you know, the average age for a man would have been 18 to 20 because they would have had to learn a trade. 
Do you know what the average life expectancy of a person at that time? 35. So if you got married at 20 as a man and you had a child that very year, you would be dead when he turns 15. <laughs> and can you imagine that marry this child, this girl, this young woman from the age of 13 to 15, somewhere in there, has the angel of God come to her and say, Mary, of all the women who have ever lived or will live, you are the chosen person through whom God will become a man. <laughs> wow. You see, but you know, God comes to us in who we are as individuals, no matter what our age, and God says, I have chosen you so that the divine message of God can come to the world around you. You are highly favored. My grace is upon you. See, that's Christmas. That's Christ. That's God in us. And we allow the gift that God has for us to enter into our hearts and minds and into our life and so that the words that we give, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. And as we have that gift, we share it with others. And just like Elizabeth, life springs inside of those that we speak to. And that is the Holy Spirit, the unction of the Spirit in their life. That's the gift of Christmas. Amen? Father, we thank you that you have heard our prayers. We thank you for this very special season that we celebrate, we celebrate Jesus Christ, the gift of God given for us that we might have eternal life. Thank you, God. Thank you. I ask your blessing to be with us and our families Lord, those who listen and those, O oh Lord, that we talk with, may your grace and mercy speak through us and may the life of God that is in be inspired in us and in others. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.